You are listening to the Pursuit Church Essay Podcast. We are a group of imperfect, real people on a mission to pursue God and love people. From wherever you are listening, we hope that you are encouraged by this week's message. So this is apparently a three-bottle water sermon. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to be extra long. It just means I'm going to need a little help on the voice today. So I appreciate your, uh, your prayers. In fact, let me get some water right now. Yes, uh, as Karen said, <clears throat> God's really prepared a great word. I pray that you'll bear with my voice and that instead you will hear the voice of God today. That's, that, that's really what this is about. You know, several years ago, Karen and I took a trip to Washington, D.C. It's a trip we had... Uh, planned for quite some time, and we went <clears throat> and had a wonderful, wonderful time. As probably many of you know or are aware, <clears throat> Washington, D.C. has a lot of places to see, right? A lot of memorials, <clears throat> monuments, cool sites. But one day there, we actually got to see something that we were not expecting. We actually got to stand somewhere that we never thought in a million years, we might be able to, to stand in. You see, several months before our trip, we had arranged with the U.S. House of Representatives for our area to have a guided tour of the Capitol while we were there. And by the way, anybody can do that. You simply just have to notify them several months in advance, and they'll set it up for you. And so we had this planned, this Capitol trip planned. So we arrive on the day that we're supposed to have our uh, trip of the Capitol. We go down to the U.S. Uh, representative's <clears throat> office in the basement of the Capitol, by the way. That's where their offices are. And we promptly walk in the door at 8 a.m. or whatever time we were supposed to start. And we get in there, and the office informed. And now, normally, see, one of the aides for the representative is the one that goes and takes you on the tour. Yeah, you, you don't get the representative. Come on now. I mean, you know. <laughs> But one of his aides normally takes you on the tour, okay? Well, we get in there, and for whatever reason, one of his aides was not available to take us on this tour. But what they did instead is they actually got an intern from the Speaker of the House, right? That time it was Paul Ryan from Wisconsin. And so they actually got one of Representative Ryan's interns to come down and give us the tour instead. Cool. So we're on the tour, we're going, we're seeing all these cool things in the Capitol building, and we get toward the end of the tour. And this intern says, hey, you want to see something really cool? We said, what? <laughs> what, what do you got to show us? He goes, he said, would you like to stand and see where the presidents give their inauguration addresses from and where they're sworn into office? And we're like, whoa, what? Super cool. So he proceeds to take us through the office of the Speaker of the House and down to the west-facing part of the Capitol. You've probably seen it on TV before, right? It's this kind of balcony where the president stands, the new president, or even the existing president. Since 1981, by the way, this is where the presidents have done this. Ever since Ronald Reagan through currently, that's where the presidents take their oath of office and give their inauguration speech. So we're standing here. We got to stand where the president stands to do this. As you remember from TV, if you've seen it, 
out in front of you as he's speaking, you see the Capitol Mall, and at the end of the Capitol Mall, the Washington Monument. It is quite a sight to see. It is quite a sight to see. And as we stood there, we had a moment. We had a moment. It's like, wow. How many presidents have stood in this spot and given their inauguration speech and taken their oath of office? What words have been spoken from this platform? It was pretty cool. It was really, really cool. And as we stood there, we kind of marked that moment in our minds for a minute. We still talk about it today quite often. And I'm talking about it here in this message today. It was, it was a very impactful time. It caused us to think a little bit more about the office of the president, the responsibilities that go with it, no matter who's in it, right? Gave us a, maybe a different level of respect and honor for that office. It caused us to think. You know, life is full of moments, isn't it? All kinds of different moments. Moments of pain, of sadness, of joy, of tragedy, of triumph. All kinds of different moments that we have in life. Now, I'm sure you can all recall moments in your life that impacted you, right? On the tough side, losing somebody close to you. Maybe going through a divorce. Maybe having a relationship fall apart. On the other side, we've hopefully had a lot of great moments and happy moments. Things like graduating from high school or college or getting married, those of you that have had that privilege, or having children. These are all moments. But with each of those moments came with it how we viewed the moment, right? How, how we processed that moment how that moment was marked in our lives or how the moment marked us, right? How it impacted us, how it affected us. Some of that's really good. Some of those maybe not so good, right? But those moments had an impact on our life. Most of these moments that we're talking about right now are just what you would consider kind of earthly experiences, right? I mean, just kind of part of our existence here on earth, we're going through a lot of these different moments. What I want to talk about and what we want to talk about in this series is what about God moments, though? What about moments with God? How do those shape us? How do those impact us? How do those moments with God move us forward? That's really what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be talking about lots of different kinds of moments. You see, in the Bible, many people had moments with God, didn't they? Many people had moments with God. And God used those moments in a variety of ways. For some people, he used those moments to give a specific message. Other times, he used those moments to give assignments, things that he was calling them to. Other times, to address an issue or a problem that a person was having. And quite frankly, just other moments with God and Jesus, as we see in his word, just change things forever. 
they change people's lives forever. Just a moment with God. Today we want to look at one of those people that had a powerful moment with God. The prophet Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah had, as we're going to see today, a moment of vision. And so we're going to be talking today about what is a moment of vision. What does it look like? What did it look like for Isaiah? What can it look like for us? Stand with me, please, as we read the Word of God. We're going to be in chapter 6 of the book of Isaiah, and we're going to be reading verses 1 through 8. And this is what it says. In the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings, with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to the other and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. Another translation says, For I am ruined. I actually like that translation even better. But, For I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, Here I am. Send me. You may be seated. What a powerful vision. What a powerful moment of vision that we see Isaiah having here with God. This vision, as we'll see, impacted Isaiah in a profound way. It changed him. And it propelled him forward into the things that God had for him. But when we hear the word vision, as it relates to a moment with God, what are we really talking about? What what does that mean when we say a vision? Because that could mean different things to different people. Vision really simply is this. It's God showing us a truth or a possibility that's revealed by him. It's God showing us a truth or a possibility that's being revealed by him. And what do we mean by revealed? It means this. It means that we can see with our spiritual eyes what God is trying to show us. Okay? That we can see with our spiritual eyes. So you've got to have the Holy Spirit, okay, to really understand or contemplate or think about or think through a vision moment with God. Now, let me give you a little context around Isaiah's vision in this story. You'll notice that he starts with, right in verse 1, he marks the time of this vision as the year that King Uzziah died. Well, who is this King Uzziah? 
he was important enough for Isaiah to mention him in his vision and mark his vision by this event, right? Well, King Uzziah was a very prominent king in Judah. In fact, he ruled the people for 52 years. That's, a, that's one of the longest reigns of any king, okay, in, in those times. Not only that, but King Uzziah was greatly loved by the people. They loved him. Isaiah actually loved him. Because Isaiah was a contemporary. He served with the king. He saw all the things that King Uzziah did. Isaiah, if you would like, had a front row seat to, to the reign of Uzziah. He saw how the people had loved their king. And he understood that the passing of King Uzziah marked an important event in their lives and for him personally. But Isaiah also knew other things about King Uzziah. And he, know, he knew that his death was not under the best of circumstances, unfortunately. For you see, toward the end of his life, King Uzziah let pride get the better of him. And as a result, he lost his ability to be king. In fact, he was struck with leprosy and ultimately died a very tragic death. After all those years of service, he let pride, there's a whole different message in that. But, but Isaiah saw all that. He knew all that when he wrote about this vision. And if we look at Isaiah's vision, there are some important truths that we begin to see. Remember we said a vision from God partly is about him revealing truth about himself or something. So the first truth that we see in Isaiah's vision is that he sees God for who God really is. Okay, he sees God for who God really is. It says that God is high and lifted up in his vision, sitting on a throne. The throne represents to Isaiah and actually to us that God is, in fact, all-powerful. That there is no one, no thing, no person more powerful than God. Nobody, no thing, okay? I don't think it's an accident that that's the first part of Isaiah's vision because think about what I, Isaiah's frame of mind may have been. Maybe Isaiah was still hurting from the loss of this great king. Maybe, maybe Isaiah had put too much hope and trust in a man, right? Maybe he had become so attached to King Uzziah that his death really messed him up, right? Maybe Isaiah was suffering from disappointment as he had watched this once great king fall. There could have been a lot of things going on. But here's what we know, that God was showing Isaiah that the plans and promises and visions that he had for Isaiah did not die with an earthly king. God was making sure Isaiah understood, no, I am the one you are to look for and look to in everything. Notice how God started his vision with that premise. So important. You know, whatever God may be calling you to, whatever vision he may be planting in your heart, whatever truth or possibility God is trying to share with you in your vision moments, we need to understand that we need God's power in his presence for any of that to come to pass. We need that. 
Now, this might be a good place to ask a question. Is the moment of vision that we have with God, is it a God thing or is it me? Right? That's a, I think that's a, a legitimate question to ask. Maybe Isaiah, in his own mind, was kind of having this vision. Okay, is this really God or is this me dreaming or is this me in my own thing? And that is a really good question because, you know, you and I can come up with all kinds of visions that, that we think are cool, that we think are good. But we have to ask ourselves, is this a man-made moment or is it a God thing? You know, standing on that balcony, it was cool. It was really a man-made moment, right? Really. I mean, it was cool. It was great. It was awesome. But it doesn't compare to a vision moment with God. You know, our visions think we're going to change the world, right? Our ideas are, are going to be the greatest and, you know, things since sliced bread. And you know what? Some of our ideas really may be good ideas. They, they really might be good ideas. Fantastic. But there's a difference between, and you all have heard this before, so I'm going to just get a little corny for a minute. There's a difference between a good idea and a God idea. Okay, there is there, there there is a difference. Okay, we may have we may have some good ideas, but they pale in comparison when we have a moment of vision with God about what He wants to do. So let me give you a couple things that I think we can look at when we're trying to discern: hey, Is this from God, or is this just me wanting this for me? Right? Or is this just my great idea? Okay. Number one. Does the vision of the idea glorify God and magnify him? That's, that's, that's like the starting point. In other words, does it serve his purposes? Well, what are some of God's purposes? That all men may know him, that people would come to be saved by the Lord Jesus Christ, that we would walk in the works that God prepared for us long ago, that we would love God with all our heart, might, mind, and strength, and love others as ourself. So those are just some purposes and plans we know about God. So when we get an idea, a vision, have a vision moment, does it fit into that somewhere? Or is it just something that we are going to benefit from or something we think would be really cool for us, right? Second point is related to it. Is what I'm hearing from God, or in other words, the vision moment I'm having, is it consistent with his word? Because I guarantee you if what you're receiving isn't in God's word somewhere, I will almost tell you right off the bat it ain't from God. I mean, <laughs> let me just tell you, if you can't confirm it in his word, if you, if you can't find this idea, this vision he's planting in you, if you can't find it in his word, there's a pretty safe bet that it's not from God. Because his word is life-giving and life-changing. And I don't know about you, but a lot of times when I've gotten a God vision or a God idea, it has been when I am in his word. When I am actively looking at it, studying it, praying about it, very often that's when I've had my vision moments with God. And I think you will too. Now, here's something else. Is the vision, the idea, 
Is it confirmed by other people? It's not an actual requirement, but, but let me tell you where I'm going with that. Oftentimes, God will confirm his vision through other people in our lives. Now, you have to ask yourself, who are these people, right? First, they should be somebody that's walking closely with the Lord as well, right? Uh, you know, your, your best friend that doesn't know anything about God or have any relationship is probably not going to be one that confirms God's vision in your life. I'm not saying it's possible. God uses donkeys and I mean, he uses all, all kinds of different ways to speak to us. So I'm, I'm not going to completely discount that possibility. But what we see over the course of time is that usually he does use somebody to confirm that. Now, a lot of times that vision though will start with you. He literally is just telling you in the beginning, right? That's very possible. Very possible. But over time, God will usually send people to either confirm or encourage the vision that he's given you. Okay, so that's something to be, to be looking for, okay, as you're discerning. And then the last thing is the timing of God. The timing of God. You know, Pursuit Church is a very good example of the timing of God. Back in 2013, so almost eight years ago now, Karen and I felt, and I believe we did have a vision moment with God about planning a church. I, I, I believe that. I believe with, with my heart that that happened eight years ago. And we sensed strongly that God was calling us. And it was confirmed by others. It was consistent with his word. And we believed it was in harmony with his plans and purposes. So it, it was checking the boxes, right? But the timing wasn't right. The timing wasn't right. It wasn't a bad idea. In fact, it was a God idea. But it was a not yet God idea. It was a not yet. So as we're considering the timing. We need to be praying for, is God calling me to do something now? Is he calling me and sharing this vision with me so I can prepare, right? Are there some steps I need to be taking, preparation I need to be making? That discernment of timing is important. That discernment of timing is important. And throughout all of those things, those four things we just talked about, prayer has to be in the mix at all points and at all times. You see, humble, honest prayer allows God to clarify his vision for us. Keep seeking, keep asking, keep going to him in prayer about those things. Is this from you? Are others confirming it? Is the timing right? All these questions can help us discern whether the vision we're getting, the picture that God's trying to paint in our hearts and minds is from him, is from him. Now, here's the thing. When God gives you a vision, if you've had this experience or something he's asking you to do, we are quickly confronted with reality that apart from him, we really can't do any of it. <laughs> Okay, we, we, we come to that realization really quickly, and we see in Isaiah's vision, he came to that same conclusion very quickly. Right after he saw, recognized who God was, really the next part of his vision shows us Isaiah recognizing 
his own weakness, his own sin, his own lack. Like, God, I, I'm just a sinful dude. I, I, I can't, what are you talking about? He, he realized he was completely unworthy in the presence of a holy king. You know, he had an earthly king he'd served for a long, long time, worked with. But this is a whole different level, right? In his vision, he's seeing the angel saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. The earth is full of your glory. That's a whole different thing. And in that, he sees his own inadequacy. He sees, I'm not going to be able to do this. Whatever God's fixing to call me to by myself. I'm not going to be able to do it on my own strength. So what does Isaiah do? Here's what he does. And I think it's what we need to do. He's honest and he's humble. He basically says, God, I'm a sinful person. And not only that, I'm actually fixing to preach to and to minister to a whole bunch of other lost and jacked up people. Okay? He says, not just, not only me, I'm lost. I'm completely messed up, but you want me to serve and talk to and call and minister to a whole bunch of other jacked up and lost people. Wow. <laughs> he knew he couldn't do it by himself. He knew there was, there was no way. And you know, when the God of the universe shares a vision with you, shares a possibility, a truth with you, it can be really scary and overwhelming. It, come on now. It can be really scary and overwhelming sometimes. Because just like Isaiah, the first thing we see is our limitations, right? We see our weaknesses. We see our fears. We see our sin. And we see those as reasons why we can't do what God is asking us to do. Isaiah experienced that same thing. But here's the good news. God always has an answer. Isn't that, isn't that awesome? God always has an answer. And not only an answer, he has the right answer. Man, and I'm telling you, his answers are not always easy to live out or to discern or to do. But I'm here to tell you, God's answer is always the right answer. So what is the answer of God to our weakness and to our sin? What is the answer? Well, God demonstrated the answer to Isaiah, and it's the same answer that we get as well. It's that God's love, forgiveness, mercy, power, and presence is what we need. That's the answer. Because those are the things that lead to a changed life. Isaiah was going to need to be changed if he was going to be able to go do what God was calling him to do. You and I need to be changed. Now, God demonstrated this to Isaiah by sending an angel to touch his lips with a coal to symbolize what I just said. For us, Jesus is the one who brings us mercy, forgiveness, love, power, right? In Isaiah's vision, the angel brought it for you and me Jesus is who brings that to us. The angel used a coal. Jesus used a cross. The same thing that Isaiah experienced is what you and I can experience in the power of Jesus Christ. 
You know, a huge part of our living out, we're living in the vision that God gives us, is our ability to recognize that only God can give us what we truly need, that in our own strength, we can really do nothing, but only through his love, mercy, forgiveness, power, and presence can we accomplish what God is asking us to do. Because when we have that, there is nothing too big or too bold for God to do in us and through us. With that, with the power of God, there's nothing. Jesus said when he was here and right before he left, when I leave, you just ask the Father what you need in my name, and you're going to do greater things than I did. So there's, there's nothing that we can't do with that power and presence. And you know, this process of recognizing who God is and who we are in him, it marks us. It changes us. It fills us. It prepares us then for the next step in the process. James chapter 2, verse 14, says this. And he asked this question. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? And then he goes on in verse 18 to say, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Now, of course, just to clear it up here, we are saved by our faith in Jesus Christ, okay? We're not works-based. We're not, you know, you had no. We are saved by faith alone in the Lord Jesus Christ. Of that we are sure. So what then is really James telling us here? And what do we see Isaiah do in response to this at the end of his vision? What we see is this. Living out our faith, what we believe or what God shows us is an active and not a passive process. It is an active process. It's not something we just sit there, okay, Lord, give me your vision, and we stay sitting in a chair. That's not what it's about. That's not what it's about, and that's certainly not what Isaiah did. What, is I, what did Isaiah do? This is how he responded. Once he saw God's power, once he received assurance that God was with him, he simply said, here I am send me. Isaiah, filled now with the right picture of who God was, the truth, and assured that God was with him, boldly proclaimed that he was ready to do his part. He was ready to activate his faith by following and doing what God was calling him to do. You see, this is the powerful process that we're going to be talking about in this series, how powerful moments with God mark us, change us, fill us, and then how we are to build upon that. What we do with it, what we do with these moments with God makes a difference. It's important because you see, God expects us to do our part. You know, if God didn't expect us to build from it, then why did he give us the vision to begin with? If he didn't, if he doesn't expect us to do something with it, if he didn't expect Isaiah to say, here I am, send me, why did he share all those things with him? Why did he share who he was? Why did he touch his lips and give him change and belief? Because he expected Isaiah to do something. 
And he expects you and I to do something with the vision and the moments of vision that he gives us. You know, when we visited Washington, D.C., we saw lots of monuments. But most of the monuments, to be honest with you, were really about a historical thing that happened in the past. Wasn't a whole lot of present going on in those monuments. It was really about the past. And certainly God does want us to remember our past with him. He does want us to recall his goodness and all the things he has already done. But he's also calling us to build now. He's calling us to build right now. First Peter chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, says this, As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. You yourselves, like living stones, are being, being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You see, now God is calling us to build monuments in our hearts and in our minds to him. That's what he's calling us to do right now. When you have a vision moment with God, this is part of what he's calling you to do, to be that living stone. Thousands of years ago, in a moment of vision, Isaiah offered his life to God when he said, here I am, send me. He made a commitment to build upon what God had showed him and what he had done for him. So here's the question that I have for you today. What are you doing with the visions that God has given you? Let me ask you another question. What will you do the next time God gives you a moment of vision? Are you ready to let God show you his power? Are you ready to receive his love, his forgiveness, his mercy, so that you can be empowered by the Holy Spirit to have what you need so that you're not relying on your own strength? And finally, with your new and changed life, are you ready to say, here I am, send me? Are you ready to become a living stone and let God build what he wants in you and through you? Every eye closed, every head bowed. Let's pray. God, we thank you for these moments of vision that you give us. We thank you that you empower us during these special times to hear from you, And then, Father, with the courage to step out and say, here I am, send me. Father, give us eyes to see, hearts to hear, and a willingness to go. A willingness to say, yes, Lord, I'm here to serve you. Yes, Lord, I'm here to serve others. Show us the power when we say yes. Now, maybe there's somebody here who has never said yes to Jesus as the Lord of your life. With everyone joining together, would you pray with me this prayer as a reminder of our own commitment to the Lord, but also in support of anyone who for the first time may be saying yes to Jesus. God, please please say it with me now. God, I am a sinner. 
who is in desperate need of your grace and your mercy. Fill me today with your Holy Spirit. I believe that Jesus died and gave his life for me. And today, I give my life to you. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. If God is transforming your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. You can give at PursuitChurchSA.com give. Thank you for listening and remember to follow us to enjoy more messages like this.